Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Caffeinated for May the 16th. In fact, the only episode for today. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to the show. For the uninitiated, this is a daily morning show that is dedicated to bringing you guys the hottest gaming news every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And today we have some pretty exciting stories to go over. Uh, ones that are disappointing for somebody that's a longtime fan of PlayStation, uh, like myself. But on top of that, a couple of new games have been announced. We've got delay, which is kind of disappointing. Some stuff to go over. Uh, but for a little bit of housekeeping, if you are new to the show, follow me on Twitter at Pretty Chill Guy to know when I go live uh, with Caffeinate. On top of that, I also do another show called Fully Wired, uh, which is essentially going to be a sort of a variety show, if you will, on Twitch. And also, I have more stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, it's going to be a big summer for your boy. I'm working on getting the scheduling set up, getting all of the content lined up. But it's going to be an awesome time, and I hope you guys are along for the ride. Also in the chat, if you're watching live, Razum, good morning. I am doing absolutely fantastic. Feeling good. Thought I would get the tie back on today. You know, we've been a little bit lax on the tie. I got sick. Uh, I, was, I was down and out for a couple of days. But as time has gone on, I've realized that part of the show is me dressing up looking good. You know, that's that's part of the entire experience. So uh, that's going to be coming back slowly but surely. We are uh, we are getting there. And also, we finally turned on the air conditioning. So we, 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 we finally have a little bit of a reasonable uh, temperature within the room. Because, you know, I've got one light, two light, three lights surrounding me. Imagine the heat that that puts off. These are not these are not low heat bulbs either. These are these are full on. It's like an incubator in here. You could probably birth a child. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the gaming news of the day, shall we? Uh, the first story of the day, Sony ends the production of physical Vita games. Sony is ending physical production of Vita games. Kotaku has learned, although the hardware manufacturer says digital distribution will continue, this move will mark the end of physical cards for the portable gaming system. Sony's American and European branches plan to end all Vita game card production by the close of fiscal year 2018, the company told developers today in a message obtained by Kotaku. The message asked that all Vita product code requests be submitted by June 28, 2018 and that final purchase orders be entered by February 15, 2019. Sony's 2018 fiscal year will end on March 31, 2019. In an email to Kotaku, a Sony spokesperson confirmed the Vita car production is coming to an end. It's been a long, strange life for the PlayStation Vita, a system that launched here in 2012 with the slogan, quote, console gaming on the go, but quickly lost ground to mobile and tablet gaming along with the surge of the Nintendo 3DS. Sony's baffling decision to support its expensive uh, proprietary memory cards made the system pricier than it needed to be, and big studios quickly dropped support. Although the system remained consistently popular in Japan, Sony's North American and European branches all but ignored it after its first two years on the market. That's debatable. That's debatable. Uh, and it's been floundering ever since. The Vita has become a treasure trove for JRPGs since niche Japanese titles and indie games. Although that mantle has since been seized by Nintendo's mega popular Switch, now we're a step closer to saying goodbye. Uh, Razum says long live the Switch. I agree. The Switch is a good system. Uh, but the thing with the Vita is that whenever you hold a Vita, whenever whenever you get your hands on one for the first time, it truly is an awesome little piece of hardware. I'm not going to lie. I truly do enjoy uh, what the Vita brings to the table in terms of portability and also quality. There were some genuinely good games uh, on the Vita. And also, after it got past that gimmicky part of its life cycle, for those that don't know, let, let's back up a minute. Uh, for those that have never touched a PlayStation Vita, there are two touch screens on the system, one on the front and one on the back. Now, the games that came out within the first about 
year or so of the console's life cycle, uh, used both the front and the back touch pads in interesting ways. There were a couple of games that did it very well. One that comes to mind is Tearaway, a game that originated on the Vita and then was ported over to the PlayStation 4, but essentially you would use the back touchpad and your finger would literally interact with what was going on on the screen. You could see like your finger coming up out of the back of the Vita. It was very cool, uh, but also you could touch the front screen and interact in that way and like make little divots in the ground where a ball might roll down in a hole that you made by poking it. Uh, it was a really interesting mechanic. But uh, after it got past that gimmicky part, after it got past the part where you had to, you know, use the gyroscopic uh, measurements within the system to balance an uncharted golden abyss or whatever you might have been doing, uh, you you really did get a really good solid console. Now, albeit it was not a PlayStation 4 experience on the go, let's not kid ourselves here. That's not what the Vita was trying to set out to do. Uh, but what it did do is take what the PlayStation Portable really, really thrived in and, and really and really did well, and it built on that and it built on that foundation. And I think looking back, you know, you can say that the PlayStation Vita was a failure. You can say uh, that it did not meet the expectations. You can say all these things. Uh, but number one, it was trying to live up to the PlayStation Portable, okay? It was trying to live up to something that was revolutionary for its time. And the Vita was revolutionary, but not in the same way. So, you know, you have expectations that simply can't be met. And on top of that, it simply wasn't the system for everyone. The screen was a little bit smaller than some would have liked. Uh, it finally did get dual touchpads, but we didn't have two, uh, you know, uh, R2 buttons, L2, R2 on the back. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, um, yeah, handicapped when it comes to terms of controls. Uh, but uh, Razum in the chat says, I have not used a Vita. Looks cool, but I had the DS and the 3DS for that. Uh, I mean, and that's the other thing is that the 3DS was obviously going to be the more popular console for mobile gaming, uh, if you want to call it a console, if you want to call it that. But, um, you know, Nintendo established early on that they were the go-to console guys whenever it comes to mobile. They really did uh, take what they had with the DS and run with it. They really did lift that up to become the go-to mobile experience outside of, of phone gaming and tablet gaming. So, um, you know, that's kind of what happened with the Vita. But, when it comes down to it, it's a good system. If you haven't played a Vita, it's going to be on sale for a while on eBay. I mean, I've found PSPs on eBay. So if you haven't played one, uh, it's worth picking up, I think, especially if you're a big fan of indie games, if you're a big fan of platformers, if you're a big fan of, uh, you know, any kind of older game that, that came out a couple of years back. One of the best experiences that I've had on this thing is a game called Luft Rousers. And if you don't know what Luft Rousers is, I believe I'm saying it correctly, uh, but it's essentially kind of like an arcade-style shooter with planes. I have it on PC as well, but it really did uh, drag me me in on on the Vita. Whenever I went on vacation last year, I was playing it last year when I went on vacation, and uh, it really was an awesome experience. I, I enjoy it. There are really good games on the Vita, and I'm glad to hear uh, that the PlayStation Store on the Vita is not shutting down. That probably won't be shut down for another five years or so, uh, but, you know, you can still buy your games digitally. Uh, it's just one of those things where in the uh, next fiscal year or so, around this time next year, there aren't going to be any more Vita games uh, coming out for production, so... You know, it, it's a rough time, but it's one of those things where there's always going to be a transition in the gaming industry that's coming down the pipe, and this is one of those transitions that has been coming for a while. The Vita was not going to live forever. I'm surprised, to be honest, that it made it this long. Uh, but a, a really hardcore group of niche fans uh, has taken the Vita under its wing, and it's become kind of like the cult classic. It's become kind of like a, a big favorite uh, for those that are really ingrained in mobile gaming. People love the Vita, especially this original version that you're looking at right here on the screen. This is the OG OLED PlayStation Vita, and um, this screen had colors that really did pop. It was a little bit sharper. Uh, there was another version of the Vita that came out later on down the pipe. I think it was the 3000 model. I might be wrong on that, uh, but it had a, uh, a regular LCD screen. It might have been L no, I think it was an LCD screen. 
but that one was a, a more interesting build. I think it was a, a, a really good build. Uh, the Vita came out back in 2012, actually, in, in North America. I think it might have been... Uh, yeah, 2012. It came out right before the PlayStation 4 was launched, a couple of couple of months before that. I think it was like a year and a half before that, actually. But uh, that's all beside the point. The Vita is a couple of years old now. You know, we've got some age on it, but I still have mine sitting six feet behind me. I, I still have it. I still love it. I still play it uh, probably about every couple of months or so. You know, I'm not really big into uh, putting a lot of time into mobile games. If I'm playing a game, it's probably going to be on my PC or my PlayStation 4. But when it comes down to it, uh, good examples of uh, of good games are Luff Rousers, Taco Master, uh, Uncharted Golden best wipeout 2048 um trying to think of other ones that are really stand out on the vita uh the god of war psp ports are pretty good on there um you know tear away the 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 games that you go to whenever you uh you know think about playstation vita but six years is a good run a very good run and of course it's not dead yet it's just one of those things where they're just kind of backing off a little bit you know they're they're starting to ease their way out it's kind of like whenever you are you know trying to get out of your family's uh home during during christmas or thanksgiving or whatever it may be and you just kind of like you know you like start getting towards the door and you grab the keys and then you you know you go over and you start hugging relatives and everybody's like why is he hugging everyone and he's, oh he's leaving so that's pretty much what you're getting with the uh with the playstation vita right now but i digress um Moving on to the next story of the day, coming to us from PC Gamer, Bulletstorm Studio People Can Fly is working with Square Enix on a new AAA shooter. People Can Fly recently opened two new studios to support the project. I thought this was a pretty neat story, especially right here before E3. Uh, People Can Fly, the developer of Painkiller, Bulletstorm, and Gears of War, Judgment, revealed today that it's developing a, quote, new AAA shooter in partnership with Square Enix. Word of the new project came as part of an announcement of the company's expansion into two new studios, one in the UK and the other in PCF's home country of Poland. PCF was founded in 2004 and acquired by Epic in 2012, shortly after the re- release of Bulletstorm. Excuse me. Uh, it regained its independence in 2015, but aside from Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition last year, we haven't heard anything about its plans for the future until now. Quote, we decided in 2017 to open a new studio in Newcastle in the UK to attract not only local talent, but also to attract the best developers within the UK. We want this team to grow to 20 to 30 developers within the next 12 to 18 months. CEO Sebastian, oh my God, what is that last name? Wojcikowski? Maybe. Uh, when CI Games decided to restructure its operations, we immediately decided to open a new studio in Reswow. Oh, God. Zeswow? Uh, man, what are I? Listen. Okay, for those that are longtime listeners of Caffeinate, and by long time, I mean like past couple of weeks, maybe even this episode, I'm not good at pronouncing big names. Why is it that I always run into very strange names of towns and people? Nothing against these people. These names, people. These names kill me. I need to work on this, but I don't know how. Should I take a class on pronunciation? More than likely. Uh, to allow these great developers to keep on working together as a team and to contribute to the game we're working on. Uh, yes. All three studios are working on the new game, which unfortunately PCF said nothing about. Perhaps we'll learn more at E3, which is just a few weeks away. For now, I'm just happy to know that people who decided that the best thing they could do for with a rocket launcher and chain gun was to mash them together into a rocket launcher chain gun and are, uh, you know, they're getting up to something new. Uh, so essentially what this means is that we're going to be getting some kind of big uh, new AAA shooter that may be something like a Bulletstorm and maybe something like a Gears of War. It seems like with this track record that people can fly and, and the new studios that they're kind of, you know, breaking off with are going to be making something that is action-packed so that's exciting on my end because I love a good action shooter you know I try and branch out I try and I try and incorporate a a large different varied palette into my gaming you know library or whatever you want to call it I try new experiences but when when you're talking about 
a game like Bulletstorm or a game like Gears of War Judgment. It's about, you know, taking your chainsaw gun and sawing somebody in half. It's about, uh, you know, kicking somebody where they start floating in space and then lighting them up with an assault rifle or a machine gun. There's something about that experience where it just feels right. As, as, a, as a hardcore action-packed experience, it just does it well, especially Bulletstorm. Uh, if you have not played Bulletstorm, Full Clip Edition is a great version of the game. The original is still fantastic. Whichever version you play, it's worth checking out. But, uh, you know, hopefully within the next two years or so, we'll start to see more from these two new studios. But I'm excited to hear more from People Can Fly. I love the company. I think they've done an amazing uh, job in the past with uh, with a varied, uh, you know, lineup of different kinds of games and stuff they've got coming down the pipe. But, um... You know, like the article says, the people that came up with a rocket launcher and a chain gun mashed together are the ones that are making a new, uh, new game. So, you know, get hyped for that. I'm very excited. But moving on to some Fortnite news. Uh, the Fortnite Burst Assault Rifle uh, arrives today, but the weekly patch has been delayed. Today's patch for Fortnite Battle Royale brings with it a brand new weapon, and it's a bit of a beast. The Burst Assault Rifle is the latest weapon to be added to the armory. There is a slight problem, though. Epic says the release of patch 4.2 will be delayed and has no ETA yet as to when it will roll out. As of now, the thing is, is live in the game. You can check out the Burst Assault Rifle right now. Uh, but if you want to uh, you know, play around with the new FAMAS, it's coming out. It looks really neat. I, I, there's no picture in this article, but uh, I, I was hoping for a picture. Hold on. Fortnite Battle Rifle. Uh, let's see. Maybe there's Forbes. Um, be great if somebody... Is Forbes with the one that has all that weird? There's always like a, a paywall whenever you go on Forbes. I hate it so much. I, re- I really truly do. Oh, yeah. That, now it's done that thing where I can't get back to Google. Oh, God. Uh, Fortnite. B- no. Fortnite. B- no. Fort- not not Fortnite. Fortnite Battle Royale. Uh, Battle Rifle. Hopefully. Why don't I just go to... Oh, there was a picture of it, I think. Um, let's see. No, not that one. Anyways, it looks like a FAMAS, people. It looks like a damn FAMAS. You know, if you want to get in on that, if you want to get in on some of that FAMAS action in Fortnite, then by all means, you know, dive on in. It, it looks pretty good. I, I can't really complain. It has the same damage as a regular assault rifle. Um, it has a slightly different, you know, shooting pattern. So if you want to get in and try it, then by all means, jump into the free game that has taken the world by storm over the course of the past eight months or so and, uh, and see what it's all about. I was watching a stream on Facebook yesterday. I was actually watching a gaming stream on Facebook. I know, right? Not on Twitch. Huh? There's actually good content creators elsewhere? Huh? Yeah. But um, I was watching uh, a guy play, and, and there was somebody in the chat said, where can I get this game? And I was I was sitting here, and I was like, really? You, you haven't... You haven't played Fortnite. You haven't even thought about it? You Have you never heard of this game? But this man had never heard of this game. I don't know how he has been living under a rock that long that he hasn't heard or tried to play or thought about playing Fortnite, but hey, to each their own. Uh, good on him for avoiding the game that has taken the world by storm in possibly one of the worst ways because it's really crippling innovation in the gaming industry, but that's just my two cents on the entire situation, but quality content at its finest indeed. At its finest indeed. By the way, guys, uh, if you are watching later in VOD format, or if you're watching live right now on YouTube, I have enabled low latency streaming, which means I see what you're saying very quickly. In fact, less than a couple of seconds after I say it. Very exciting stuff. So, uh, yeah, the uh, if you want to join us for a live show one morning, by all means, dive on in. That includes you, podcast listeners. That includes you. 
Uh, but moving on to the next story of the day, Metro Exodus has been delayed for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One as well as the PC. The next entry in the series will not make it out on time. This story is coming to us from uh, Eddie McCuck over there at GameSpot. Uh, Metro Exodus, the third game in the survival horror stealth shooter series and the first to feature more expensive world, has been delayed. The PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC game was originally due to launch this year, but it's now coming in Q1 2019, according to a press release from THQ Nordic. That works out to sometime in the January to March 2019 window. I would say it's probably going to be closer to March. Uh, but in its press release, THQ Nordic did not provide a rationale or explanation for why the game was delayed. Uh, however, that jumps over to this article, where there was, in fact, an update as to why the game was delayed. We know that this will be disappointing news for fans that had hoped to play the game this year, but also know that you will appreciate the results that this additional development time and new release date will bring. We would also like to take this opportunity to confirm that at E3 in June, we will be revealing some brand new gameplay from a never-before-seen game environment for you to enjoy. Thank you for your patience and understanding. We will look forward to sharing more with you in June. Moving back to the other story, uh, like the previous Metro Games, Exodus stars Archie, uh, oh, Artyom? Maybe. Who is fleeing the, ruin, fleeing the ruins of Moscow Metro with a, brand, a band of survivors. Publisher Deep Silver says the game will be, quote, a sandbox survival experience with players exploring large non-linear levels and a story that spans an entire year. Damn, that's a long story, but uh, it, you know, overall it looks pretty good. If you haven't played the uh, the first couple of games, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light, they have been touched up. They have been brought to the PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. If you would like to get your hands on those, uh, but Metro Exodus is going to be coming out sometime, you know, in the next uh, about a year, you know, between January and March of 2019, as the article did say. So, um. I think it's a good idea. I think that if the game had come out this year, that it probably would have been overshadowed by the big games coming out in the fall. I mean, we have a new Battlefield coming out. We have a new Call of Duty coming out that's switching up the way that the gameplay works on that end. Uh, there's a lot of innovation within the the first-person shooter space right now, and so to push out Metro Exodus for a couple of months, you know, nothing nothing drastic or anything like that, but to just push it out for a couple of months, then that might be a really wise move on the developer's part to ensure that there actually is success in the long run with what they're trying to bring to the table with the newest Metro game. Uh, I want the best for every game that comes out. Make no mistake, you know, I throw games under the bus sometimes whenever I'm talking about, you know, mistakes that developers are making or any kind of weird drama that's going on within the industry. I do, you know, mess around and I and I will throw some shade here and there, as the kids say. Uh, but at, behind every game, you know, behind everything that ever comes out, there's always going to be a team of passionate developers that are pouring their livelihoods and pouring their days and weeks and months into creating an experience, uh, you know, crafting a world that people can dive into and truly enjoy and get lost in. And so, you know, whenever you have a game like Metro Exodus, if it's overshadowed by something that is as junk foodie, if you will, as Call of Duty, where it's just mindless shooting, uh, then that world is going to be lost. But, um... You know, it's also going to be interesting to see what Bethesda announces at E3 and try and line that up with a reason behind why Metro Exodus was delayed. Because obviously, you know, there are industry insiders. Every company knows what other companies are doing. That's kind of what I'm trying to get out here. You see what I mean? Uh, so if there is going to be some kind of big fallout announcement where there's a new Vegas 2 coming out uh, around November or December, then that would have absolutely overshadowed everything the Mex- uh, Metro Exodus was bringing to the table. Everybody would rather play the mainline post-apocalyptic game as compared to the other one that is, you know, made by a smaller studio, but still very much so loved. Uh, so to see what goes on at E3 and to see everything in a uh, kind of a retrospective point of view is going to be a really awesome thing to uh, take part in, but we will catch back up with this later. Uh, but if you were looking forward to Metro Exodus coming out in 2018, I apologize. It is not happening, unfortunately. Moving on to the next story of the day, coming to us from Alt Sharp. 
uh, I've never heard of this website before, but I trust it. Call of Duty is being developed for mobile by Candy Crush developer King. Uh, wow. It turns out that the mobile adaptation of Activision Blizzard's popular shooter Call of Duty will be handled by developer King, the name you may recall from Candy Crush Saga, an incredibly addictive mobile puzzler of similar magnitude. Uh, the job ad says King are looking for a level designer to join them in Stockholm on an uh, adaptation of one of the most popular game franchises, Call of Duty, which they'll be doing in collaboration with Activision Blizzard. There are also ads for a senior network engineer with a senior uh, tools developer as well. Unlike Call of Duty Heroes, though, this is a uh, which is a strategy game developed for mobile, King's Call of Duty will definitely be a shooter, you know, just in case you thought you'll be seeing your crush of duty on your cell phone. I wouldn't be surprised if I was matching three variations of a grenade, uh, but with that being said, I'm excited for an actual shooter on mobile. Uh, the dev says level designers will be tasked with creating the sort of work that shows off the best that mobile Call of Duty gameplay has to offer. King are looking for someone with hands-on experience on first-person shooters, which is pref- uh, perfectly understandable considering the scope of the project. Interestingly, King's description of... Uh, uh, autonomous creative teams uh, that are closely tied with the community seems to be an ironic reminder of what both Activision and Blizzard once were. I seem to recall when their games were specifically aimed at gamers rather than shareholders, but let's not go there. Ooh. Ooh, this author. Who is this? Who is this? CJ over there at Altchar. Mmm. Man, over here over here saying things. But essentially, uh, there's going to be a mobile version of Call of Duty coming out probably sometime around the next year. I would say that it's not going to come out alongside the mainline Call of Duty game because it's probably going to be overshadowed by, you know, Black Ops 4. But, um, you know, it's going to be weird to see how they take this because there are successful uh, mobile-only first-person shooters that have done very, very well. And uh, I think that Call of Duty kind of wants to get in on that because there is a big future for mobile gaming, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, and not just for Switch or PlayStation Vita owners. Uh, there is a big market for people because simply everybody has a cell phone, and if you are even mildly interested in playing a game, then you can find one on your cell phone that will suffice and and, and meet your needs. So it, it's uh, one of those situations where a developer wants to get in on this because they have the chance to make some bucks. They have a chance to make some money. I mean, throw out a decent first-person shooter, implement some kind of, of loot crate or, or loot boxes or whatever you want to call them, and, uh, and and bring some microtransactions in there, and boom, you have a really successful game. I mean, look what's happened with PUBG Mobile. You have uh, Fortnite Mobile and PUBG Mobile dominating right now. You have them uh, pretty much dominating the mobile space. Of course, there are a couple of games here and there, uh, but when it comes down to it, PUBG Mobile is a genuinely good version of PUBG. Uh, Fortnite is a decent version of Fortnite. There are uh, there are certain aspects of the game that could be better, but when it comes down to it, it's on a mobile phone. You can't complain that much. So uh, Call of Duty is wanting to get in on that. Could it be a Battle Royale game uh, coming out You know, at some point, maybe later on this year or early in 2019? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Never thought about that, did you? Hmm? Hmm? But uh, I suppose we'll see more whenever they uh, whenever they hire somebody and whenever we get more details. But there is news coming out on Call of Duty tomorrow on May the 17th. So we will cover that on the 18th uh, right here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, where we do caffeinate every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. So keep it tuned in for that, and I will let you guys know what's going on with the hottest uh, news going on from Call of Duty. But uh, moving on to the next story of the day, Stalker 2 is in development, targeting a 2021 release. Uh, no, we are not joking. The announcement of Stalker 2 came out of the blue a few hours ago when Ukrainian developer S- or GSC Game World suddenly announced it. The official Stalker 2 website is also now live and suggests that the projected release window is currently 2021 or three years from now. That said, you might remember Stalker 2 had already been announced in 2010 but got canceled in April of 2012. Hopefully we won't get a repeat this time around. 
I remember whenever this uh, game was announced, Stalker 2, and uh, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty decent. But the thing with it is that um, whenever the original Stalker was announced, it was 2001, and the game came out in 2007. So let's say that this counts as the initial announcement right now. We're probably going to be getting this game probably over in, like, uh, trying to think, maybe 20, let's see, it's 2018, six years from now, 2024? I wouldn't be surprised to see 2024. Also in my chat, Bear says, I just farted a pecan. Well, go eat that thing. I mean, that's trail mix right there. But, um, you know, Stalker was a good game. It was a beautiful game. But I would not be shocked to see this game come out in 2024. Uh, but, uh, you know, 2021 still a little ways off. So hopefully we will see more of this. Of course, there is gameplay coming at E3. They have confirmed uh, that there's going to be some kind of, of presence at E3, if I do remember correctly. I could be mistaken on that. But uh, hopefully we will see more in the next couple of months because you've got to get people hyped up. Is this actually a premature announcement of a game? More than likely. I would say that this is probably a little bit early on in the development process to get people hyped up about this because as much as people love stalker i don't think they love stalker enough to care for three years straight you know what i'm saying like i don't know that it's going to be on that level where people really get that invested in it so uh hopefully this will turn out well of course the company behind stalker uh has been doing some pretty awesome projects over the uh, past you know 10 years or so 15 years or so and uh you know i'm excited to see what stalker 2 brings to the table i know the original was as i said beautiful came out in 2007 i think and uh was critically underplayed I think so um maybe we'll play through some on a stream at some point or another but I would love to dive back into this and see what they've got rolling on down the pipe but man 2007 was a long time ago that was that was 11 years ago people 11 years ago that is insane oh that's that's absolutely insane also bear appreciate it my friend uh, but moving on to the next story of the day, player knows battlegrounds. Players find golden chest. Hmm? Sounds like Fortnite does it not? I believe it do. Uh, not too long ago, Bluehole Studio opened a round of testing on uh, PUBG's new island map uh, known as Sanok, uh, with PC fans who own the battle royale title having been given the chance to try the fresh locale out before it goes live within the actual game. While the developer continues to refine the new map and add more details with each test period, the most recent trial saw players finding mysterious golden chests taking up space in various locations around the island. As seen in the image below, courtesy of the redditor known as FastClicker1, the player unknowns Battlegrounds fans discovered one of the golden chests in Sanak in an alcove of giant rock formation while heading north uh, on the game's map away from Bootcamp Alpha. Interestingly enough, it looks as if there is currently no way for players to actually interact with the object, with many speculating they could just be an Easter egg for the time being in, you know, response to what's going on within Fortnite. Uh, so that's pretty much what you're getting right here. This is this is the uh, the overall look. As you can see, it looks pretty much identical to what you're getting within Fortnite. Fortnite. It's a, it's a golden chest, people, you know. Uh, if PUBG's golden chest on Sanak are just meant to be a fun little secret for fans to find, then they might be serving as a nod to the discoverable treasure chests that are in Fortnite, you know, as we know. Uh, but uh, there has been a lot of criticism over the course of the past year and a half or so uh, because, actually, no, it's been less than a year, I would say. But whenever Fortnite Battle Royale was getting ready to launch, they were talking about calling it Fortnite Battle Royale. And PUBG had said, the guys over there behind PUBG at Bluehole Studios, uh, had said that the copyright infringement was there, that that uh, that the guys behind Fortnite were trying to take their, their fire or take their flame or whatever you want to call it. And Battle Royale could not be used or they couldn't call it certain things. And it's one of those situations where it's like you don't own Battle Royale. It's like whenever the the Fine Bros tried to copyright re, or uh, copyright trademark whatever it is uh, the React videos. Like no, you can't. No, everybody can react and everybody can make a Battle Royale game. That's a genre. You can't just own FPS games. No, but um. 
So it looks like there's kind of like a goodwill being had, or at least some kind of, you know, low, low key camaraderie uh, between the teams over there behind Fortnite and the team behind PUBG. So will these actually be, you know, getting any kind of interactivity? Will there actually be any kind of actual, you know, uh, way to open up the chest and see what's inside? I doubt it. I, I highly doubt that we're going to be seeing that. But. I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, if it's done in the right way, if it's done in a tasteful way, I think that it really could bring some, uh, some, you know, interesting changes to the way that PUBG flows. Uh, right now, I'm kind of taking a break from the game because, quite frankly, after playing Fortnite for so long, I'm not good at, at PUBG anymore. I, I, I lost every bit of skill that I had. I'm used to that fast-paced, a uh, little bit less intense gameplay. Now, if you've played PUBG before, you'll know that it's very much so a simulator kind of experience. It's really hardcore. It's really in depth so um you know whenever you go from playing that to something like Fortnite, where it's almost like a cartoon kind of setup it's uh very unique i would say in the way that it it approaches the battle royale scene and um It'll be interesting to see if PUBG actually does, in fact, change up the way that they are flowing because of what's going on with Fortnite. Also, Bear in the chat says, interesting channel you have. I'll share it around. By the way, Rainbow Six Free uh, to play this weekend. Yes, that is one thing I did want to throw out there. I appreciate you reminding me of that, but I appreciate your compliment on the channel as well. Uh, yeah, as a side note, speaking of uh, games that are realistic shooters uh, that are very, very fun to play, uh, Rainbow Six Siege is having a free-to-play weekend this weekend, and there has been a recent update, or there's an update coming out very soon, something along those natures or those lines. Uh, but there is a, a good time right now to jump into the world of Rainbow Six Siege and experience it for yourself. It's a game that I poured countless hours into, did enjoy, kind of like a uh, a SWAT team-esque kind of experience, if you will. It's got that Rainbow Six uh, core to it, but it also uh, fleshes out the gameplay. Very fun game. If you have not played it, give it a shot. Free to play. Thank you, Bear, for reminding me in the chat. Uh, moving on to the next story of the day. I did want to share this around. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the copyright stuff is like on this, but I did want to uh, let you guys know that this was going on. And, uh, and yeah, I thought I would go ahead and just share that with you guys. Don't know how much I've been Hold on Now that I see that. I apologize. Hey, true believers. I just want to tell you I love your comments on Twitter. I, I don't know how much I've been missing now that I see them. And I just want you to know I appreciate everything you say and do. I love you all, and let's keep up this great relationship. Excelsior. Okay, so for those that don't know who that was, that was actually Stan Lee, the creator of essentially the entirety of the Marvel Universe. Now, those that don't know uh, what's been happening over the past about, you know, three months or so, it has been revealed that Stan Lee has been gruesomely taken advantage of financially. Uh, the people that were surrounding him that he trusted uh, were very, very bad, bad people, okay? So, you know, obviously the man is worth a lot of money. He has a lot of funding in, in the bank, so to speak. Uh, now, with that being said, the people that he trusted the most, the people like his lawyer, the people like, uh, I think it, uh, somebody that was affiliated with his daughter, I believe, uh, and his daughter herself were taking advantage of this man's money, and um, he has just recently regained access and control over his Twitter account. Uh, he has been actually communicating with fans before, if you go back on Stanley's Twitter, uh, I don't know if I can probably pull it up right now, but if you go back, 
you have stuff like this where Tom Lee is, or uh, Tom Lee, Stanley is tweeting Tom Hiddleston remarks on why Loki gives Thanos the Tesseract in the Infinity War trailer. Uh, you know, you have stuff like this. You have these these articles where it's very clear that this is not Stan Lee. He does not care. Okay, this is a hashtag Throwback Thursday to the time Stan met with Ringo Starr music back in 2005. No, this isn't Stan Lee. We want genuine Stan Lee. So now, uh, where is the actual tweet that shows... Uh, right here on May the 12th, today is the first day I ever did a tweet myself. Before today, my account was done by others. I still do not have control of my Facebook. Someone else is doing it, not me. That's terrifying, okay? That means that it's just... I hate it, I hate it. Uh, but at, at 95 years old, the man is is absolutely killing it. I saw him at the premiere of Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. I don't know if he was at Deadpool, but um, I do know that he is, you know, uh, suing... Uh, Pal Entertainment for $1 billion for fraud. So, you know, he's got something coming down the pipe. Uh, it's just good to see that Stanley is fighting back and is able to still maintain his reputation and still maintain what he is bringing to the table. So, um, you know, as I've said over the past couple of months, as I've been covering the stories that are coming out about Stanley, keep fighting, my man. You have done amazing things. You have literally changed the world with the entertainment that you bring to the table, without a doubt. Without Stanley, the movie industry and the games industry and entertainment overall would be nothing as compared to what it is today. So, you know, to hope the best for him is the least that I can do. The man has brought so much into the world. Uh, the man has been one of the creative minds that has shaped an entire generation, not only in comics, but also in, like I said, every other field of entertainment and pretty much every creative outlet. Uh, good on you, Stan, for fighting back against this abuse that you have endured at the hands of people that you freaking trusted. So, uh, you know, with that being said, a little bit upset about all of that. But that wraps it up for today's episode of Caffeinated. If you guys enjoyed today's show, uh, by all means, drop me a like if you're watching on YouTube. If you are listening on podcast services, be sure to leave me a rating. Uh, if you're on Anchor, favor the podcast, maybe give me some applause if you will. We hit over one point. 1,000 favorites, or 1.1,000 applauses over there, excuse me, on Anchor, and, uh, you know, we're getting very close to 100 favorites. Uh, I'm very proud of the uh, of the content that I bring to the table, so if you guys enjoy it, by all means, subscribe, come back, enjoy the live show, enjoy the VOD, whatever you might be doing, it's live weekday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I've got stuff going on at twitch.tv slash fully wired. I've got plans coming down the pipe for that, uh, and we're probably going to start doing traditional streams again. I've been in kind of a, a rut right now where I'm just focusing on creating these kinds of variety shows and new shows, uh, and, and we're going to be incorporating other things in there, so stay tuned. It's going to be a good summer, like I said at the beginning of the show for content creation, but that's enough of my rambling. I hope you all have a fantastic uh, rest of your Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time for another episode of Caffeinate. I love you all very much, and peace.